So I'm like, there's so much corruption yes. or speculation throughout this entire thing. I just want to go move to a hill with flowers on it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's and why I think live like, with rainbows. <laughs> Uh, normally, every week, we will review a movie and we'll do a top five list. This week, in light of the entire world being consumed with the trial and the fair or unfair, you make your own opinion, incarceration of Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey, we are going to review slash break down Netflix's 10-part series, Making a Murder. The people that were close to Steve knew he was always happy, happy, happy. Always wanted to make other people laugh. <laughs> they didn't dress like everybody else. They didn't have education like other people. The Avery family didn't fit into the community. Stevie did do a lot of stupid things, but he always owned up to everything he did wrong. I didn't a good life until all the trouble started. Penny Bernstein was everything that Stephen wasn't. So just think of the two of them side by side. There was no real investigation done by the sheriff's department. The sheriff told the DA not to screw this case up. He wanted Avery convicted of this crime. There isn't one iota of physical evidence in this case that connects Stephen Avery to it. In fact, the sheriff was told by the police, you have the wrong guy. Stephen Avery spent 18 years in prison for something he didn't do. 18 years. 18 years. DNA had come through indicating that he had not committed the crime. Law enforcement officers realized that they had screwed up big time. We were getting ready to bring a lawsuit. $36 million. Manitowoc County itself and the sheriff and the DA would be on the hook for those damages. They're not handing that kind of money over to Steve Avery. I did tell him, be careful. They are not even close to being finished with you. Do we have a body or anything yet? I don't believe so. We have Stephen Avery in custody, though. Are you kidding me? The disappearance of Teresa Halbach remains a mystery. Mr. Avery's blood is found inside of Teresa Halbach's vehicle. Steve, everybody's listening. What do you want to say today? I'm listening. If convicted, Stephen Avery will spend the rest of his life in prison. We found a key. That key was scrubbed and his DNA was placed on it. This is really strange. What's going on here? Hallbach's last stop Monday was at Stephen Avery's home. If he did this, maybe it was good he was in prison all that time. Everything I've heard him say hasn't been the truth. It was extraordinarily disturbing. We went through this 20 years ago and we're going through it now again. In this criminal justice system, good luck. You are probably the most dangerous individual ever to set foot in this courtroom. The truth always comes out. I am your host, Brandon Rambar, my co-host, Jacob Crisp, and Rachel Jamison. First of all, let's just talk about this phenomenon. First off, let's say, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will be. Yeah, we will yeah. be talking in depth about the entire you know series Case. and up to present day the things that have recently becoming been coming out as well. This was something that I mean, this is kind of a first 
Um, Netflix put this series out kind of over the Christmas holiday, and immediately critics were going crazy about it, and it just picked up this steam and buzz that has – there's never been a documentary I don't think that has taken, taken the world's imagination like this and has become such a trendy, buzzworthy thing – and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's on Netflix because the Jinx yes. did well, but it's on HBO. Right. Yes. So and the same thing with it. the West Memphis Three series that was also on HBO. It's just not as accessible to everyone, even though super interesting cases right. and well-made documentaries. This one is accessible to a whole lot of people from it being on Netflix. I would also say, I mean, I know they were, they weren't really series, a documentary series, but like. Basketball Diaries, not Basketball Diaries, Hoop uh, Dreams, Hoop Dreams <laughs> Bowling for Columbine were also right. some pretty big back in the 90s. I don't right. really know much about documentaries before the 90s, but I mean, as of, what's really strange, the Jinx came out, was it this year or was it 2014? I, it was this year, it was 2015. Yeah, I think it was. So it was, between it was that and Making year. a Murderer, I mean, those are two pretty addictive Well, yeah, and that's but the it's difference. the accessibility, yeah. accessibility of Netflix, which is and why Yes, and binge-watching. That's what I was going to say. It's the binge-watching yeah. aspect that really kind of you know set the jinx apart, and now especially with Making a Murder. I think also the difference being that the jinx was about a villain, right. and this is about someone who was innocent and got – you know, rearrested, and so it's he's kind of like the underdog that everybody's supporting, and like so right. everybody's rallying right. around him. Whereas you know, one Jinx was on HBO, but it was also about a villain. So it's like you watch it, and you kind of hate the dude, and then you go away from it. This one like sits with you because you watch it, and you're like, you feel like someone has been unfair, like that. Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey are still sitting in jail cells. Also, and you want to do something. about it. The Jinx it. has a more of a resolution than right than making a murderer does. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yes, it does. Very well. Very and you great can payoff. and you can look up to what's happening now and see where the case has gone since the end of the Jinx. When right. you look up the end of the making of the murderer, it's still exactly where they left it. So. Right. So let's let's talk about you know it's 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 everywhere you know if you just Google making a murderer Stephen Avery I mean from the New York Times to Time Magazine to USA Today to Entertainment Weekly I mean it's I mean it's everywhere Adam I mean, Carolla did a whole podcast on it yeah so it's it's not just in the the news media it's, it's also in entertainment in media radio media um, yeah it's everywhere it's it's everywhere it's kind of taking the, uh, I mean I'll be I'll be talking with. You know, fellow sports fans about sports, and all of a sudden, everybody just wants to talk about making a murder instead. I mean, it is yep. like the buzzworthy <laughs> topic right now. I was sitting in a courthouse working the other day, and it's a guy made a making a murder joke, which to me, and I didn't even know the guy, and I was like, I, everyone's watching it. Yeah, yeah. it's just become it's like the a thing. part of the it's pulp the culture buzz lexicon thing right now. Yep. It is, and that's why we decided to talk about it. And I, for one, you know, I fell into trap. I don't normally, and it's kind of like everybody I talk to. I was playing basketball with some friends the other day, and we all started talking about making a murder, and everybody was like, yeah, I watched it in two nights. Yeah, I watched it in two and a half nights. So I watched it in three nights. I watched like eight episodes one night and then two the next day. Like everybody's doing that. So how many – it took me two and a half days to watch it. Jacob? I watched eight in one day and then two more. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The following eight day. in one day. That's yeah. impressive, yeah. Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think mine was over the span of two days. This is not – a new thing for me though i binge watch a lot of stuff same with my girlfriend misty she uh she was the first person i know that watched it and she told me about it and then i like kind of looked into it i was like oh the critics love this and then everybody started talking about it um so let's let's 
first of all, I guess the best way to start this off is what were your overall impressions of the series and then the case and your feelings on Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey's innocence or guilt, and then we'll kind of get more in depth into the why and how and all those things. Did we actually read the description? No, go for that. All right, I'll read it real quick. So filmed over a 10-year period, Making a Murder is an unprecedented real-life thriller about Steve Avery, a DNA exoneree who, while in the midst of exposing corruption in local law enforcement, finds himself the prime suspect in a grisly new crime. Set in America's heartland, the series takes viewers inside a high-stakes criminal case where reputation is everything and things are never as they appear. This is truly it's very vague description. Yeah, it is. It's a strange. That's the way of not spoiling it, though. Fiction story. If you saw this yeah. in a movie, you would like. Mm, I don't believe that this would all happen. So, Rachel, what what's your just kind of overall impressions of the series and you know Brendan Dassey and Stephen Avery and and all that? Um, I will start by saying if you watch any type of documentary like this, always. Always fact check things because everybody has an angle. Yes. Everybody has their own beliefs and whether they try to make it completely um, neutral, something's going to bleed in. And I, we learned this lesson completely watching agree. the West Memphis three where the after what par- the paradise Lost series Which about the West, the West Memphis, Memphis three, three. Yeah. Um, after watching that, I was like, Oh man, this is so unjust. Like how could all of this happen? And was, you know, enraged about it and then read about it and I was like, man, they left out a lot of really important facts. I was Um, pissed after I read it. I was too. Did you watch the Paradise Lost? No, I never never got into that. Have you you heard of it? Sure, sure. I know the story. So, you know, and and it's an awful case and all those things, but you watch that documentary series. And you're fully convinced that this is unjust. This is an injustice. I was so so behind them. Then I fact-checked yeah, and I, was like, I don't know. Damien Eccles might have killed these kids. I'm pretty and, convinced that he did. Yeah, I mean, and they, so they, um, what they left out was huge. was I felt like it was irresponsible. It was what it, they left out of that I agree. case. Um, however, in making a murderer, yes, they did leave, leave out some key evidence, but they also have left out some key defense things that happened. Uh, this was such a huge trial and took so long. I, do, I don't know how you would possibly fit all that information. I mean, it was already a ten part series and it could have been so much more if they wanted to cover absolutely everything that went on during that trial so I will say that even though this is obviously biased the filmmakers clearly think that Stephen Avery is not guilty and the same with Brendan Dassey as I did research I didn't find anything that I thought was overwhelmingly just like solid proof one way or another I so there is some bias there but I would say overall I think this is a a fair documentary of the case itself um, and so that made me happy because I, I know that people aren't smart enough to fact check things. They see them and then they're just convinced that that's truth. So I appreciated that they made a, a pretty fair documentary. I think almost as fair as you can be. And I will say in the filmmaker's defense, uh, they say, you know, on their part that they tried to get, um, that they talked several times to, to the prosecuting attorneys, especially Ken right. Kratz. And he refused to do it. And they and asked he tried the to talk family. to the family, Teresa Hallbach's yeah. family, and they didn't want to be a part of it. So, you know, you see so much with the defense side, but it's kind of what it became. Now, right. now Kratz denies that, but Kratz is about, you know, regardless <laughs> right. of what you think of Stephen Avery, right. this dude is D-baggery, 
full tilt. For sure. I don't believe a thing he says. So I think that he sees now that it's become a phenomenon. He's become such right. a villain in the eyes of so many people. He's kind of like backtracking, saying, like, no, I want, I want to be a part of it. Right. He immediately uh, struck me as a twisting your mustache type of character. Yes, Absolutely. he is. That's a great way to, that's a great way to put it. Before we found out things about him. That's yeah, a great way I to agree. put it. I agree. So I do... As far as the the series itself, I think it's well made. I think that the filmmakers did their job, uh, and I think it was a responsibly made film. Yeah, I personally, I am not one hundred percent convinced that Stephen Avery did not commit the murder. Um, however, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was never allowed to see any other suspects. I was never given any other options. It was Stephen Avery did it, or he didn't do it. Which leads you to ask, well, then who did? And there's not an answer for that because they weren't allowed to offer any type of answer for that. So I I do think that he is most likely innocent. And I am 100% convinced that he did not get a fair trial. And at this point, with how big this documentary has become, I don't think you could put him anywhere in the country and he would get a fair trial. But now it would lean the other direction where everybody is completely convinced that he did not do it. So even if Stephen Avery gets another trial, I don't know if it will really be fair because everybody has some sort of bias about this case. Almost everybody. It's a big buzzworthy thing. It's going to be hard for him to get a completely neutral trial. Um, as far as Brendan Dassey, I don't know how anybody could think that he was guilty. That kid is just, he's just slow and they took advantage of him. And, and that was the most sad part of this entire thing Yeah, I was more upset about Brendan than I was even Steven. I, I felt, I felt much more sympathy. Not that I didn't feel for Steven, especially after he spent 18 years for something he didn't do. And I feel for Steven. I feel like. But Brendan, that's just a tragic case. The kid seems like a sweet kid. He's obviously really unintelligent. Um, and it was really, really obvious that the, the police officers coerced a confession. I, I have no idea how how this kid you know, ended up in jail for basically what's life. Right. I mean, parole, chance for parole in 2048 uh, when he'll be in his, his 50s. Um, Jacob, your overall kind of impressions of of the case, the series, and you know, just kind of the whole thing. Oh, I'll mention a couple of things that I kind of looked into as far as the technical stuff. So, uh, the series was mainly directed by Moira De, Moira Demos mm-hmm. and Laura um, Ricciardi. Uh, as far as their backgrounds go, there's really not much to either one of them. They've done a lot of technical work, either whether it's on short films, mm-hmm. mostly editing, their camera and electrical departments. Uh, Laura uh, Ricciardi, while she was like kind of one of the main writers of this, right? Uh, you know, they obviously they both produced it as well, but you know, they don't have a whole lot of you know major film, any recognizable documentaries that you would know of, right? Um, for that reason, I thought. Well, for their resume, I thought the the documentary was well done. I thought it was too long. You know, a ten part series. I think that's why I actually, I actually like the Jinx a lot more than I do Making a Murder. Wasn't that an eight? It, was it a six it's or a an ten eight? part series? Oh, was and it? The Jinx is a six part series. Six. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that's what you're asking. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, I just thought you know there are times when. Especially as we got in the second half, we already understood like all the craziness. Like the first half of the of the documentary, the the ten part series is like more and more and more. Like oh right. my goodness, the second half is really just courtroom drama, and you know it's not really even edited. They just pretty much show full on interrogations right. and going on in the courtroom, which I really like that stuff. But it does drag just a little bit. 
other than that, though, I mean, I don't really have much complaints. As far as my feelings towards Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey, they're pretty much right on par with Rachel's. Um, I think that Steve Avery's, far as as far as what was presented to me, uh, should should have gotten off based off of a uh, reasonable doubt. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there are just too many how text. I was watching this. I just finished this two nights ago. So I was texting these two just like, can someone say shady? And, <laughs> and I mean, I was getting into it. And, you know, and the Brendan Dassey, she hit the nail on the head. You know, it was just a sad situation of a boy who's, um, you know, who doesn't understand clearly was trying to find yes. answers for them yes and oh was gosh. basically citing something off he saw in the james patterson book slash movie yes yeah. you know it's just insane yeah. just insane uh, elements I, I don't i don't understand look i've i've never sat in on a jury i don't know the pressures of being in that in in that environment other than what I've seen in 12 hey green men <laughs> and uh you know that's not really fair so uh <laughs> I know there's probably a lot of politics that plays into it. Plus, this was in this was set in Wisconsin, and from what I understand, everyone in Wisconsin knew about this story. Right. In fact, when they in the documentary when they surveyed everyone, I believe there was only one person out of 200 some odd people that were called in that had not heard the story, right. which is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I understand that there's politics and already emotions involved going into the case. That being said, I the the everything Steve Avery part look. I, 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 I'm on the, I saw, I'm on the fence on really if he did or didn't, I'll go into that later, but with the Brendan Dassey part, I don't understand that. So, you know, Rachel said it, I believe two or three weeks ago, right around Christmas, where it was like, you just lose so much faith in the justice system, really between this and the jinx. I mean, <laughs> yep. when you compare the two, um, well, and I'm sure there are insane. thousands of other stories like this that just aren't being told. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, I mean, the documentaries and- are, are it, they're just, it just seems like there's real tricky. I can't say I've watched a whole lot of them, obviously. Well, there's, there aren't, there aren't many of them. So, yeah. you know, it, but it was entertaining. It was, it was you know, I was it a fun watch? I, I don't know, but it, I mean, yeah, I got sucked in too. And everybody is, and I think it's because you know you feel such an injustice. It is entertaining, you know, it's which is kind of crazy to think about what's going on. But I think we're all kind of drawn to these real life stories, especially when there's this injustice, and and it's just kind of craziness on top of craziness. And at every single level, I mean, from from the initial rape charges. To getting exonerated for that, to being arrested again, to you know how corrupt the police seem, to the interrogations of Brendan Dassey, to I mean, just it seems like every single element of the story was crazy and messed up and shady and 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 there are so many villains from the you know from Kratz to Dassey's original lawyer uh, Kaczynski, Kaczynski. Lynn Kaczynski who was just a had that shit eating grin on his face the he entire time. He looked like a dopey from the beginning. Yeah, man. he yeah. did. And and he just loved the media. Like I mean he just like lit up whenever the media but he was it was like he was out to get Dassey. He was supposed to be defending he him. He was the, his whole case should have been thrown out because absolutely. of that. And and um you know to the guy that he hired Michael Kelly um, who was the investigator that, oh my that gosh. forced basically, you know, you're supposed to defend this 16 year old kid who Jacob said it exactly right. He was searching for answers. He wanted to please you. I felt so bad for him. He just wanted to get back to sixth hour so he could return. <laughs> so he could turn in his project. He just didn't, under, or do he his just exam. didn't understand, he didn't the, understand the gravity of in. what was going on. He yeah. just incriminated himself, confessed to this murder 
And and then it's like, okay, so am I going to get to get to six hour because I have to turn something in? He he didn't understand, and the cops knew that, and they took advantage of that. Absolutely. And and he kept saying no. He just kept guessing at what they wanted. And, and so actually, and and that whole thing, and and then and then. Kuczynski hired somebody to get another confession out of him when he's supposed to be defending him. Every single level was messed up. So you just – you're fascinated and you have to keep watching to see where this goes. And you mentioned the jurors and, and 12 Angry Men. It was kind of a situation. You know, whereas 12 Angry Men, there was 11 people who were convinced it was guilty and one convinced not guilty. The original vote – and I thought this was really, really telling. The original vote was seven not guilty – Three guilty and two undecided. It was those three guilty votes. Apparently, they would not budge. According so, to the 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 juror, right. the twelfth juror that left. Well, that was excused. and there has now yeah. been a juror that has come out and said that those jurors that thought he was not guilty were actually afraid of what might happen to them if the verdict came back not guilty for Stephen Avery because they thought if the Mantawak. A police department was capable of doing that to Stephen Avery, then what would they do to the jurors that found him not guilty? So there has been a juror coming out, and that is there is cause for a retrial for that. If right. enough people come forward and say, Yes, I felt threatened to not give a certain verdict, wow. he can get a retrial for that. But that makes sense. If you really were convinced that yeah. the police were shady, then why put yourself in harm's way for someone else? Where You may not have been fully convinced. You may have just had reasonable doubt. But by doing that, you may get yourself in a really horrible situation because clearly the police were going to nail Stephen Avery regardless. Yeah, and that's uh, it has to be proven or, or you know they have to feel like um, there is a real threat there. So maybe enough people come out. Because if it was just like, oh, I, I wish I would have voted the other way, they can't do that. But there can be a retrial, apparently, if there was a real threat there. They felt right. a real threat. So it'll be interesting. You know, and, and I know now that the, the latest update is that Kathleen Zellner um, has taken over um, for Stephen Avery to represent him, and they're going to try for another trial. Who is she? Um, she's. She's out of Chicago, and she's kind of a well-known attorney. She's her whole thing. She specializes in taking and wrongful convictions. Wrongful convictions. She's she has seventeen exonerees on her. She, she's basically represented seventeen people who she freed wrongful convictions. And she just this is just two three days ago she took on Stephen Avery's case. So there's a chance here for a possible. They they motion for a retrial based on this whole juror thing. And they're saying there's new evidence, and people are kind of like, you know, all you know, up in arms, wondering what the new evidence may or may not be. Because to this point, we've only been told that the the only new evidence could be if they could prove that the EBT was in the blood. Right. Right. So here's the fascinating thing about this: it's kind of the power of film. You know, this whole thing happened, and you know, and it was, you know, we at the end of the show, we're going to each. I want us each to say kind of our percentages on what we think. You know, Stephen Avery's guilt or innocence is what our own personal feelings and with Brendan Dassey also. But I think that we can all agree that no matter what, they should have, you know, they shouldn't have gone to jail because the, the system was corrupt. The, sh- the, reasonable, the, police doubt were, part. the reasonable doubt right. and that there is definitely some shady activity with the police, regardless of, of guilt or innocence. It seems like, you know, there were bad things happening with the police. But um 
I lost my train of thought. There's so many things I want to say about this case. <laughs> well, the tricky part about this whole thing, I'll just say real quick, is that, you know, no, we're none of us lawyers, and so we're trying to yeah. break down right. this case, and so how to review it from a film perspective. Yeah. Oh, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> the power of film. Yeah. Um, now, because it's public, you know, this happened, and but now that this has come out, there are all these, like, internet sleuths. I mean, yeah. this is huge on Reddit. Like, people are, like, coming up with, like, you know, screenshots theories and, like, and, theories and, like, yep. all these things, and there's, like... And, and we'll get into a little bit our favorite villains of the series um, and who we think may be other real suspects here if Stephen Avery didn't do it. Um, but it is interesting because uh, I think that, you know, the prosecutor or the, the defense attorney are going to get a lot of help from thousands and thousands of basically Internet sleuths who are trying to uncover mysteries and help out with the investigation. And I was going to say that actually right. somebody has put up f- the full police interviews, all of Brandon Dessie's full police interviews on YouTube. These things are like three and four hours long yeah. where you can sit down and watch the whole thing. I did watch about the first 45 minutes of the one that they featured a lot of on the shit mm-hmm. on the uh, documentary. The one where they pulled him from school. Yeah. The one where he's sitting on that couch and right. his mom comes in. I watched about the first 45 minutes of that and it is excruciating. Like I have sat on a jury, which is obviously oh. nothing like <laughs> making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that Watching lawyers work is sometimes really irritating. Oh. And the police were working the same way. And and just watching them prep him like, hey, we really need to tell you the truth. When they counted how many times they said, tell, tell me the truth, it, it was really for even simple questions at the beginning of the questioning, Brandon gave the exact same story. And then they would say, tell the truth, Brandon, and he would change his answer every single time they said tell the truth. He would change it to something else until he hit what they wanted. Yeah. And that that's in the entire tape. That's in 45 minutes that they didn't even show in the documentary. Uh-huh. Um, and they prepped him and, and they lulled, they got him into this really false sense of security. The entire first like 25 minutes they talked to him, it's we're here to help you. We're going to protect you. We just need you to tell us the truth. We won't let anything bad happen to you. And I know that you think that you might get in trouble, but the only way you're going to get in trouble is if you don't tell the truth. We're going to make sure everything is okay. And they go through this with him for like 25 minutes before they even start asking him any questions. So it's pretty jacked up when they were out to get him the entire time to give him when they know that he has no idea what's going on. And obviously he just wants to get, out of that interview and back to school and back to his life as fast as possible. One of the bizarre things about that whole taping too is like, even as a police officer, you do that without a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, you're just asking for all that effort to just get dismissed in a court case. How it didn't get dismissed is beyond me. But I mean, to kind of piggyback on what you said about, you started, you said about lawyers at first and their intentions. Yeah, I, I went off on a weird really the, tangent. But. The, um, well, it's understandable. It went over to the uh, the investigators. But that was another one of the big themes that I kind of took away from this documentary as a whole. Like One was the justice system, but the second part was really lawyers in general. Um, because... I mean, I really like Stephen Avery's lawyers. Oh, I love them. They were I thought, they, I were thought they were good. They seemed like, you know, they had the right um they had an answer for everything aura about them yeah they yeah. seem like you know and generally it's defense lawyers who are like supposedly the right. scuzz buckets right. yeah. buckets yeah their characters um, seem much higher but like it was really so many uh, lawyers throughout this they just had this arrogance about them oh yeah, this, yeah. uh this 
like the twisting of the mustache or yes. like the Weasley little Kaczynski and Ugh, and look yeah. man if and they Kratz. ever listen to this podcast which they won't you know who am I to judge because I don't know them as a person but how they are definitely portrayed it throughout this I mean it wasn't good and I just noticed <laughs> it over and over it was too consistent I'm sure that lawyers are trained this way but when you look at a case and you want to be non-biased, you need to not pull in people's emotions to them. And that was the thing that was really annoying about the case that I sat on a jury for is that the entire um, prosecution was, isn't this so sad? Isn't, doesn't that just make you feel so bad? But they didn't have anything solid. Like there was nothing there. And I think that happened a lot. Like they kept going back to like, isn't this so sad guys? Aren't, don't you feel really bad about things? But they don't have the evidence to really back things yeah. up. And it's just so, and so many people fall for that. But if you want a, a legitimate verdict from people, you can't pull on their heartstrings. They have to look at facts, not emotions. Right. Cause that's what the case is. So. If you want a good laugh though, go look at both Kaczynski's and Kratz's Yelp reviews. Oh, hilarious. The <laughs> internet has gone crazy on them. Like uh, <laughs> Yelp has actually flagged them. Like we think there may be some spamming going yeah. on. Oh, it's and hilarious. it's just, it's just I mean, awful. Reviews like, do you want to be uh, – are you a 16-year-old who uh, has a learning disability, but you want your lawyer to, to backstab you and, and uh, <laughs> coerce a guilty confession out of you? Then Lynn Chichinsky is your guy. Like there's all these hilarious reviews. For yeah, I saw Yelp. some five-star reviews like that, like yeah. with that kind of yeah. thing to yeah. them. Okay, so I want to – I have a few notes here. I want to go through kind of like a, a panel discussion here, uh, some talking points. First of all, I want to go. This is gossip hour. There's a lot of W. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of like jaw dropping WTF moments in this series, and it's kind of crazy because it's a documentary, but it's kind of like a each one leaves on a cliffhanger almost, like it's a real TV series. Oh, that blood cliffhanger really got me. That's what that's what I was going to ask. I want each of your biggest WTF moment in the series, like just a moment that happened. Like I cannot believe. This is happening. Rachel, what was your biggest? The blood vial was by far with the needle stuck in it and it being opened and then taped back. That was like, a pretty good one. Clearly yeah. so tampered with and one episode left off with that. So I was like, oh, snap. I got to <laughs> yeah. watch the next one now. And just like his lawyers, I was like, well, like, that's obviously what happened. Like, this is the case. Like, we're done now. Right. That's all right. they need to prove that there right. was planted evidence because it could not be anything else. There's a side, a needle thing in the top like i will say because i've 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 gone full-on guys like i have researched this like my life depends on it like i'm the one on trial here but okay that's still a huge wtf mo especially with the seals being broken uh because every time that you know it was tampered with yeah absolutely because the seals were broken Uh, now as far as the I know that they can pull top. blood for other things to to test for. Well, other. it wasn't that apparently when they when they first do it, the process that they do it a lot of times it has that pin because the way that they draw blood from the first time from the vials or whatever it'll have that. Um, but there's not to say that it was definitely tampered with because the seal was broken. But apparently the pin on top, uh, the hole on top, isn't as big a deal as it initially seemed. Well, that was a big WTF moment for me watching it without that knowledge. I I was like, no way. Yeah, I was (laughs) the same way. I thought thought I was like, that's it. There's... That's it. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Open and shut case. So what was yours? What was your, Jacob, your kind of biggest WTF moment? Probably the part where he slept inside a horse. 
<laughs> I, think, I think you're thinking the wrong, the wrong show here. The um, wrong movie. No, I, I would say my basic, my biggest physical reaction was the Michael O'Kelly, O'Kelly uh, interview of uh, Brandon Dassey. I, I, I just put both my hands in the air, slapped it on the top of my head, and was yes. just like, "What's going on?" Yeah, especially like right before that when they showed Kaczynski like cocking in the hallway to whoever and signing documents. And then the next shot is like, you know, five or 10 minutes of that, that interview process. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I actually had to rewind it to double check that it said that it was Kaczynski's investigator. Yeah. And it's like, no, I did too. It's like, actually. No, Brennan, you need to say you're sorry or I can't help you. And it's yes. like, it's like, where's his effing lawyer? Yes. It's like, this yes. is, this is such BS. It like, was terrible. That was probably my most angry moment for sure. Yeah. Even though, I, the only other one I had say, is say that and it wasn't a big what yeah it's not it's not a, what you know what the heck moment so for, I, I was I gonna love say that something you, else. I love that you brought up that one though because what was so terrible about that because we've seen you know the the investigators and the cops handle Dassey or Brendan in this sort of way but this was a guy who was supposed to be on his side was supposed to be a guy who's supposed to be defend he's he's a defenseless kid who's in and over his head he has no idea what's going on. And this guy's supposed to be protecting him, and it's like he's out to get – he's making things worse. Mm-hmm. He's making things worse for him, and and Brendan is trying his best to say, no, I didn't do this. Or did. And he's saying the well, only way you, I can help you is if you admit to this. Well, then I can't the only way you. I can yeah. help you is if Ugh. you draw this picture. And then told him exactly what to draw, and then somehow, even though that lawyer got chucked – that was still permitted as evidence in the trial. And how did you feel when Michael Kelly in the ninth or tenth episode was on stand oh. and he starts crying? Oh, oh just keep the picturing ribbon. the blue ribbon. Yeah. Ribbon, I kept the bl- oh, that was that one was of my awful. biggest. Ri- I was so pissed. At- <laughs> it was so. What he, he realized he was in deep doo doo, oh. and he was trying to evoke sympathy out of. Yeah, he was. He was. That's it exactly was like, what was happening. Look, was and, like, and to whoever's listening, like we're, we're not like talking anything. You know, we're obviously reacting to things. So anything re- referring to Teresa Halbach, we're not being insensitive towards. Yes. I want to. I want to point that out. I'm glad you said that. But, but that blue ribbon. Yeah, oh, oh, that was terrible. Oh, that. Yeah, it, it, and when he talked about the, you know, the possible. The possibility of there being incest within the Avery family, who knows if that's true or not true. Right. And that, that this seemed is like the devil's work unfounded. and things like that. And I was like I was like, man, that is such that's such bullshit. It was yeah. such I mean, not fair yeah. and you know, whatever. Maybe the biggest for me was the uh well, I have two. I guess what I'll say is the license plate call-in with a Colburn. Yeah, that, Ooh, was, a that good, was a good one. Oh that was a good gosh, WTF that was a good turn. Sure. That was a- one of the things road patrol officers frequently do is call into dispatch and give the dispatcher the license plate number of a car they've stopped or a car that looks out of place for some reason, correct? Yes, sir. And the dispatcher can get information about to whom a license plate is registered. Yes, sir. If the car is abandoned or there's nobody in the car, the registration tells you who the owner presumably is. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to ask you to listen, if you would, to a short phone call. Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department, this is Lynn. Lynn. Hi, Andy. Can you run Sam William Henry 582? Um, okay, it shows that she's a missing person, and it lists to Teresa Hallback. Okay. 
Okay, if that's what you're looking for, Andy. 99 Toyota. Yep. Okay, thank you. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. What you're asking the dispatch is to run a plate that's Sam William Henry 582. Did I hear that correctly? Yes, sir. Sam William Henry would be SWH 582? Yes. This license plate? Yes, sir. And the dispatcher tells you that the plate comes back to a missing person or woman? Yes, sir. Teresa Hallback? Yes, sir. And then you tell the dispatcher, oh, 99 Toyota? No, I thought she told me that. Okay, it shows that she's a missing person, and it lists to Teresa Hallback. Okay. Okay, that's what you're looking for, Andy? 99 Toyota. Yep. Okay, thank you. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Were you looking at these plates when you called them in? No, sir. Do you have any recollection of making that phone call? Yeah, I'm guessing 11.03.05, probably after I received a phone call from Investigator Weger letting me know that there was a missing person. Well, Investigator Weger, did he give you the license plate number for Teresa Halbach when he called you? You know, I just don't remember the exact content of our conversation then. But he had to have given it to me because I wouldn't have had the number any other way. Well, you can understand how someone listening to that might think that you were calling in a license plate that you were looking at on the back end of a 1999 Toyota. Yes. But there's no way you should have been looking at Teresa Halbach's license plate on November 3 on the back end of a 1999 Toyota. I shouldn't have been and I was not looking at the license plate. Because you're aware now that the first time that Toyota was reported found was two days later on November 5. Yes, sir. Insane. In his lawyer's it, face, I actually like fist pump when I was watching it, where he was like, "Oh, so you weren't looking at the car then?" And yeah. he's like, "No," and he was like, mm, "Yeah, yeah it was, I bet." It was like, that moment felt like it was straight out of a John Grisham movie, like like you couldn't write like it any you, better. You find your heart in your stomach. Yes, at the moment. absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It felt like it was something that was scripted because it was such a booyah gotcha moment. Yeah. And Colburn's reaction was his face yeah. was terrible. He knew deer in headlights. He deer in headlights. Yeah. What do I say? I'm caught. There's nothing I can say. The fact that this dude, two days before her car was found, was calling in about her plates and, and his look- story is not lining up. And said exactly the make and model and the color of the car. So clearly he was looking oh, at it man. and not just a license plate. That was what a was huge... it like two or three days before it was come? It two was days missing, before, right? yeah. It was, it was found on November Ooh. 5th. I'm insane, guys. It was found on November 5th. That column was on November 3rd. Yeah. Well, you do know your facts. Oh, uh, dude. Yeah. I am so into it. Like, seriously, <laughs> I like 
Every night, like, I kiss Misty goodnight, she goes to bed or whatever. Then, like, for the next five hours, instead of doing my work I'm supposed to be doing, I'm reading about the Stephen Avery trial. Um, that, that was a good That's good a great one. moment. Yeah. That was a big one for me. Uh, and, it, you know, there were so many different moments, and we'll mention some others later. Uh, I think that finding the key... Uh, the fact that it was <laughs> that it was Link that found the key who wasn't supposed to be involved in the trial whatsoever, and they combed this trailer seven uh, six times, and on the seventh time they find this key that is in plain sight and was found by the dude who wasn't, wasn't even supposed, supposed to be, to be there, there, and it was the only time he wasn't supervised. He had the on the, the seventh trip or whatever. Yes. And yeah. I love Insane. I love their theory of the trajectory of the key because somehow it would fly sideways Spinning. and under yep. a shoe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't under the shoe. It was next to it. Wasn't it was it? next to the well, shoe. Right. Well, well, you know, they didn't really go into like turning the shelf. Yes. Really, when they brought up the key thing, they showed the picture first, and it yep. could not have been more yes. just in your face. Yep. Yes. And I'm going. No, there's no way. No, Link. No way. It was Link. No way. And you know, and this was something that I didn't think of myself. Credit to the redditor per- person who who said this, but it was Colburn who said that he's the one that violently shook the cabinet. But it was Link that found the key. So that's to say that well, they already you know, contradicted themselves. They contradicted right. themselves, but and it wasn't really touched on because Colburn said, you know, well, I kind of violently shook it, and that's how it came out. But he's not. So he walked away after he violently shook it. But that key like took this weird trajectory and popped out, and he didn't notice it. Link came over later and noticed it. Oh man! Come on! Yeah, no way, no way. WTF? Uh, there's so <laughs> that, many. That was a good one. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's do another little discussion. Um, speaking of villains, worst villains. Who 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 kind of stuck out in your mind? Like who did you just? And it could be, you know, we've already talked. We don't know if Avery did it. So you know, and this could be you could pick. Anyone from the defense to the prosecution, anyone. But who did you just watch the series and you just detested? Rachel? Uh, I would say Brendan's original lawyer. I can't think of his Kuchinsky. name. Len Kuczynski. Man. Because when they first introduced him, like one of the very first things he says is like, this will be great for my career. Yeah. Clearly, it's not going to be great for his career if this person that everybody has decided is already guilty gets loose. That's not going to advance his career. No. And watching him like, prep for the camera and smile and uh, like oh the my smile gosh. i want to punch him for that smile and the first thing he said i don't know if you guys remember this he had not even met brendan dassey yet he talked to the reporters first yep. and his first yep. thing he said was you know i'm referring to someone who is morally and legally responsible but who was you know forced into action or manipulated by right. evil incarnate? He jumped no, right into about the anything. media coverage and what everyone knew of the story without yes. even talking to Brendan or caring at all whether or thinking maybe possibly this kid didn't do it and threw him under the bus. He said yeah. he was guilty yep. immediately before even talking to him immediately, and he stayed consistently in that character throughout the entire documentary, yes. even yep. at the very end when they even interviewed, post interviewed him, yes. and he yep. still. Was I had that that smile on his face, oh. and it was like, dude, just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I will come down on scum. it. He was terrible. <laughs> He's total scum. Jacob, um, your your worst villain in the in the series. I think for me, it's got to be Ken Kratz. Oh, I, yes. I, I think it's because from the beginning, when he when he the arrogance that he showed 
immediately yes and throughout the throughout the case and the press conferences when he was questioning anyone who was giving his closing arguments every time that guy opened his mouth and had that girly just kicked in the nuts voice well there was there was, <laughs> that was the, like first the thing kind of flamboyant said. side of him but it was just more so just that that kind of nerdy cocky arrogance yes. that came out yeah, of him that i do not handle very well at all just that cocky arrogance and it's like it's just like dude walk away man and that's and then saying i mean it was it was I'll say a little bit satisfying in what happened to him. I was hoping it would be something a little bit more corrupt. Not right. to say that what he wa- was doing wasn't, but I mean, it just kind of showed you what, what a slime ball piece of shit he is. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm just, no, absolutely. I, well, yeah. and, and I, I don't handle people like that very well. Yeah. <laughs> he was, Understandably. Yeah. You know, and, and he was terrible too. I, I want to mention, because he, he goes on record, go, has a press conference. I was going to say. Saying what ha- he did Ooh, this horror, st- yeah. horror story of what happened, and that filled everybody's brains with what happened before they ever. You went mean to- about which was Brandon Brandon da- Dassey's story? Yes, yes. Brandon, that, he, that press he, conference. Yes. There, there should absolutely be a law against that. Yeah, there should. That- There's no way you can get a fair trial when someone has already told you these are the facts. This is exactly what happened. Ethically when neither one of them has even gone to trial, they yes. have nothing to back up his story at yes. that point. He's just telling, I could tell anybody a random story and tell it, somebody puts it in the media and people just take it as fact then. Yes. And that was my third theme I took away from this was, you know, sensationalism and media coverage. Absolutely. Yes. And there, and you just said it, responsibility. I know media has a job and they're just reporting what they've been told, but at the same time, of course, I guess that's more on Ken Kratz and, and his investigator, but ooh, so many so many things that were wrong about this entire documentary, yeah. what it says about our society, about our justice system. And look, we're in America, and I think we are in the greatest, the greatest you know, country yeah, in the world, you know, but we're not perfect either. Right, Oof. exactly. And those things always, always And this is, me. as I've looked at other cases that may, people may or may not have been guilty, that is a continuing theme in all of them is that the media has covered that they are guilty before they've even gone to court. Yeah. Something that, needs that, to be done about that. And that unfairly informs anyone who's going into that jury. Yep. You already have a preconceived notion. And I thought it was amazing that, you know, I think um, the fact that seven people said not guilty after hearing. After all the coverage that yes, they had already beforehand. heard. So I feel like a lot of minds were changed by the actual trial itself. Uh, those are great villains. I, w- I would throw in Michael O'Kelly just because of how terrible he was to Dassey and how fake he was. Also, Lincoln Colburn because I think within the actual police system, um, oh, they're they, awful. They, they did. I, I'm not saying they killed Teresa because I don't think they killed Teresa, but I think that they did plant evidence. I think that they did. I think it's, here's what it's happened. It's certainly possible they planted evidence to confirm that Avery got yes. convicted. Yes. Yes. Because Avery very well made. That's a more safer way to put yes. it. Yes. And, and that's what I would say. They they chose who they wanted to be guilty, fairly or not, and they made sure it happened. Right. And they were supposed to stay out of it. Now, they how they got a hold of the keys is certainly questionable. Yes. And, uh, you know, a bullet, certainly questionable. I mean – Really having a hard time with that one because I'm not going to act like there's aren't dirty cops out there still. You know, I know it's not like the '70s how it used to be, but you know, these guys were kind of still working back then. Yeah, Gotta be careful how <laughs> I say there, but <laughs> I mean, I, it, I before the uh, Avery's defenders brought up their names, uh, he said there are two names that just kept going back to. I had caught several, Link epi- and several episodes back was Link and Coburn kept getting repeated. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just going, man, like they just keep getting repeated. And then the lawyer, the lawyer brought it up and, you know, it kind of just went from there. 
And um, God, there's just some very questionable things about those two. So many questionable things. About and look, those two. and if you haven't figured this out now, or I guess I'm just thankful that I, I have uh, a degree, or maybe I work in a field where I've read enough enough lawyer verbiage where it's like, look, if you don't know the answer to your question, always say, I don't remember. Yes. It's unclear to me. Yes. You know, things like that, because all of these cops. And, you know, a lot of the ones who were um, on the stand or all the, a lot of the witnesses who were on the stand consistently said, I do not recall. Yes. Yep. It's a safety. Yes. You know, you can always get out when you say that stuff. And, and they just kind of have to move on. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you really that you it. can do. I yeah. mean, who doesn't know better than that but a, well, a lawyer or a police officer? Right. Now, the, I'm glad that you brought up um, the bullet and the key because the next points I want to talk about, I want to talk about one, what you think are the biggest things in favor of Avery, the biggest things that that happened within this trial and, and case that you thought, okay, well, I think he's innocent because. But then also on the flip side of that, I want to discuss what are the biggest things that you look at and say, mm, I think he may be guilty because. Um, so, Rachel, what were – what was maybe the biggest thing in this whole thing that you're like, I think he's innocent, and here's here's why. This is the biggest thing that stands out to me. The lack of DNA evidence. Yes. There, there is some DNA evidence, but where it's found doesn't make any sense. There's if, if he did kill her, there is absolutely no way that he killed her in the manner that they're saying he killed her right. in. They're, they have nothing to even place her there other right. than the key which was wiped clean other than Stephen avery's dna which yeah, is completely impossible her, yeah if that was her key it should have some of her dna absolutely but it had none. um they didn't find any of her hair they didn't find any of her blood they didn't find it in the garage uh, or the trailer or the, right and and kratz's argument is that she was in there because the auto trader magazine was in there yeah, which that was... the in his very first questioning when they asked him what happened he said she handed me this I took it inside. I set it on my desk. Stephen Avery said that in his very first questioning right after they arrested him. Just because an auto trader magazine is in the house does not put Teresa in the house. I don't think she was ever in the house. So uh, the fact that apparently he raped her, slit her throat, stabbed her in the stomach, pulled her out to the the garage and then shot her. Yeah. I mean, this is what they're saying happened. They they submitted Brandon Dassey's statement as... As fact, so this is what they're saying is what happened to Teresa. There's zero chances that that's what happened. There was no blood found in it. They even tore up the cement in the garage to see if he somehow cleaned it, which would be impossible with all the crap in Good. there. I was going to say what um, you just said: blood splatter. I mean, like, there's, there's, no there's no blood way. splatter no anywhere. No nowhere, no on the, nowhere on the mattress. Nowhere on you know, there's no yeah. uh, you know cuff chains on the headboards. There's no. I mean, there'd be blood all over that room. Right. There would be. Yeah. There's no way you can and, stab and then, somebody and then in the stomach. They say, and, well, he had a five day jump start. Bull. No, yeah, this is this <laughs> is Dexter Morgan we're talking about. Exactly. Right. He, he is not some genius guy. And and even in that case, it would be hard to realistically – we're not talking about a, a fictional character who's a genius. This is a guy – Even if you were a trained person, it would be hard to get rid of all of that yes. – nearly impossible to get rid of that much DNA evidence for the brutal things they would have done to her. And apparently this – I give credit to Reddit because Reddit informed me on this, but it's backed up with sources. They found deer blood um, – spots in the garage proving that it hadn't been bleached right, right. so that was right. the thing that was the whole thing like it had been bleached but they didn't, found none of her blood and it would have seeped down into that concrete so the fact that they found deer blood but no human blood is very because if he was cleaning he would have had to clean all of it because he wouldn't have known which one was deer blood and right. which one was 
human blood. And like you said, the splatter, it should be on walls. It should be on, you know, and that garage was a mess. Right. There I mean, was it could stuff be on everywhere. Anything. There's no way. Not just way. the floor. It could be on those tools and all that. And they, it, you know, looked at all those things. Well, they said they had 900 pieces of evidence. Was it just right. in the garage? I think that was just. But I mean, and they didn't find one thing. Um, right. Nothing. No DNA linking her. There's no. There's whatsoever. No way. And what yeah. better way to get rid of any DNA than to burn a body? I'm just saying that's suspicious that they found her burned because then you can't. Um, if they would have found a body, they should have been able to prove that Stephen Avery raped her. Right. There would have been that evidence on her. You know, like, it's just, it's suspicious to me that she was burned of all things where you really can't trace anything. And apparently, back. I want to throw this out there, apparently what happened to those bones, the, the mutilation that occurred to her body afterwards, could not have happened, sci- like, it's been proven scientifically, it couldn't have happened in an open fire, like a bonfire. Right, it, it would have, have had to have been much in, hotter. Yes, it had been like a cremator or, you know, some other place. Yep. It couldn't have been an open fire, so there's no way that that happened from an open fire. Right. But I don't remember that from the documentary. That, so it's not, it's extra that's information. Okay. The Redditor okay. sleuths, and they backed okay. it up with all this, these sources and, and things like that. Uh, Jacob, what... What stands out to you is as I think he's innocent because this. And if you want to use it, honestly, I was going to use the lack of DNA. To me, that's the most telling. I'll piggyback on yours because to me, that was that was I kept coming back to that because I I don't really I think that the police did shady things and there was probable things planted. But that doesn't tell me for sure that he's innocent. Right. That just means means things were planted. Right. Um, And things were shady. But to me, the lack of of DNA evidence is, is incredibly telling. Can you think of anything else, Jacob, that stands out to you? Well, if we're talking about just the case alone, um, just a couple, but if we're talking about just how the documentary viewed it, which, you know, again, I've been, uh, my views are, have been swayed because of a documentary. Right. Um, but so I'll go off with the documentary part of it. Uh, yeah, I wrote down DNA and blood splatter, which y'all covered. Um, Throughout the entire documentary, whether it was from 85 all the way to present, the tone of his voice in the phone calls always stayed pretty consistent. Yes. And he continuously talked, like, I know they didn't show us every single phone conversation. Right. But I continuously talked about his effort to uh, to appeal and to, you know, admit his innocence and things yes. like that. I mean, like, there really wasn't very many points where anywhere I feel like he cracked, he seemed like he was lying. He, right. I'm not saying... Well, and that's the thing. A, a chance... The possibility of somebody being in jail for that long and not accidentally slipping up in any kind of way sure. and incriminating yourself. I'm glad you said that because Dean Strang, one of his lawyers, mm-hmm. said he was asked recently, like, so, you know, do you think that he could? He's like, sure, he could have done it. Uh, I don't think that he did do it. He's very honest. Um, and listen some reason why. He's, but let me also tell you this. Every single phone call of his was recorded. And, and I've done enough of these cases that these people will fail. They will trip themselves up. They'll do something to incriminate themselves in a, record, a recorded conversation or an interview. They will always do something to incriminate themselves. He said, but Stephen Avery, not a single time has ever said anything that has incriminated himself in any conversation right. that's been recorded. He's like, and let's be honest, he, he basically he's, in some not words, said he's not the smartest guy. Yeah. Well, and I was going to bring that up a, a bit ago. It's really hard to believe that this guy's IQ is one point more than Brendan. He seems a lot smarter. He, he is does. a talker. 
Yes. You know, and yeah, he might be kind of a uh, hick, white trash, whatever, however you want to put it. Right. But, I mean, he doesn't seem near as slow as Brendan. So he doesn't. I don't really, that, that, that blows my mind. He's a 70 and Brendan's a 69. Yeah. Is that I, right? That's, yeah. A, yeah. that's, that's right. crazy. Yeah. So I feel like off, we may be seeing a smarter Steven than when they tested his IQ originally. Just sure, because sure. he he's got to be smarter. Or maybe about... we're the fools, and he's playing <laughs> us. He's doing a Ed Norton primal fear on <laughs> there us. There you go, exactly. Uh, wait, what happens in that movie? No. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say about his innocence, and this was, came from his original lawyer from 1985, the female. Yes, I think it was a family lawyer. She said that, like, you know, he may have been. How would say? She said, wait, "Let me start all over." She said, you know, on the one hand, he tried to burn the body and get rid of the evidence like that. But then you turn around and you cover, one, you put the car in your own car lot. Mm -hmm. Two, you you cover it with cardboard boxes and twigs. Instead of crushing it, which you could have done. Right, right. I mean, that right there is super. Now, again, this is the documentary not really presented in court. But that right there, it's just like, yeah, you're right. Like the guy incinerated these these bones and trying to, also the scattering across his yard 10 feet from the house. is just like, you know. That's just insane. That's just right. insane that if he is that dumb, that, that I don't get that. No, you're right. It's it's a it's a it's a conflict. It's like is he that say, dumb you or can't is say, he? But you can't say on one hand he's so super smart that he could clean all the evidence and be so you know dumb to leave. But then the on the body other aspect, on his so property, dumb yeah, to to leave the body in the yep. car there. You can't have it both ways. You you got to say it's one or the other because he can't be both. If he's going to be so disciplined. And and so OCD to to clean everything in one hand. You're not going to leave evidence like that. And did the um, oh the the lady who was sort of in the Dexter role when she did all the research on the burned body pieces? Didn't she confirm that it was moved? Yes, she said that there was um, a second that was her burning. opinion, okay. right? And, and usually yes. she, she said was... usually when when bones are burned like that, the majority where where the majority of the bones end up is not the original burn site. And to me, there's no legitimate reason why you just go drop a few bones at the quarry. If you just burned her in her backyard, why would you take a few of them and throw them at a quarry? That makes right. no sense at all. I mean, if if you if you're a conspiracy, like you know, a lot of us are while we're watching this, you're like, well. It's almost like the people who planted the evidence, if that's what happened, were like, we got to make sure it's found. So we'll put some here. We'll put some here. We'll put some here. That seems a lot more logical than the killer being like, I'm going to put some here. I'm going to put right, some here. Exactly. Like, Why would you do that? Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's more chance for me to get caught if I put some over here and over here. Right. Uh, and there were some that were in the burn bar- barrel, which um, Stevens um, acreage and lot, he shares it basically with Brendan Dassey's family. So that's Barb Dassey and then her boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, and then his brothers, Bobby Dassey and all them. And uh, they have a burn and barrel the back, and that's where right. some of the bones were found. It was actually on their a property. A burn what? A burn it's barrel. A burn barrel. Oh, okay, okay. It was on yeah. their property. Okay, yeah. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, that's, you know, pretty much it, other than, you know, Keys out in the wide open, obviously. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I've, I just the keys left out open in the wide open, and on the seventh, you know, yeah, that's visit to the house. They, the law, the the officer is not supposed to be there. Finds it. I just think that is, that is, that should be a, a unreasonable doubt. Wait, is that right? Yeah, that, that should be reasonable. Reasonable doubt, reasonable yeah. doubt yeah. in yeah. itself. Personally, I agree. And tampering with tampering with you know whatever rules that they had in place. That, that's just. Here's and here's what I'll take you back on that. And to me, one of the things is every single piece of evidence they have against him 
seemed shady in some sort of way, whether it be the key, like how it was found, the way it was found, who it was found by, the car, the fact that it was you know, in plain sight when he could have crushed it and it was found by someone who was given a camera and (laughs) was kind of told where to go and she said God led her there. Well, and it was really covered up in more of a, look at this, look at this, somebody's trying to hide this way than like somebody (laughs) actually trying to hide a car. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, there are just so many instances, the bullet, the bullet um, wasn't found in the first few searches until of the after garage. Brandon's like until so after, fifth, and it was found something. after. You know, and these are professionals who are supposed to be finding these, and they don't find anything that links anything. And then finally, you know, and the and the note to the to the DNA FBI DNA woman said, find Put a way to place in him there. in the garage or the bedroom. And you know they find the bullet finally after many searches that has her. De- I mean, like there's and then, and, and, and and the then FBI she... magically gets that gets that blood results within yes, two weeks. Right. Yes. The state, you know, the state gets it done in two weeks. It wouldn't usually take several months. And conveniently, yes. all the samples gone, so nobody else can can do the same thing she did. Right. And exactly. she contaminated her own stuff. And she contaminated <laughs> yes. it as well. And uh, and I do want to talk about how the blood was in. Um, how it was in the RAV4. Okay, so there's no fingerprints anywhere. So we're like, okay, well, he was wearing gloves. Well, if he was wearing gloves, why was there blood? Okay, so he wasn't wearing gloves, and that's why there's blood. Okay, then why are there no fingerprints? Yeah. Like, again, you can't have it both I ways. I here read somewhere where there was his sweat on the hood or something. Okay, so this we're going to get yeah. to – okay, so I'm glad you said that. The last thing I want to say, um, I thought this was really cool. I saw this again on Reddit, some sluice. Okay, so you know the blood on the uh, – the, the main piece of blood in the, the RAV4, ignition. the ignition. Yeah, it looks like someone took a Q-tip. That's and, exactly. And somebody yeah. dotted somebody it on tested, there. Somebody tested a Q-tip and like, you know, you put a Q-tip and then you roll it over. The exact, I mean, like it is identical looks nothing to the way like it looks. what a finger no. smear no. would be. No. Maybe I've seen no. too many And there's movies. no fingerprint in the finger yeah. smear. How would yeah. that even happen? No, unless, no, unless, no, he, unless he pricked his finger. But and maybe I've seen too many movies. But as far as common sense goes, it looks like someone took a Q-tip yeah. to it. No, and exactly. I thought that immediately. Tested, you're exactly right. Okay. That's awesome. You said it. So my tested it. It looks the exact same as that. Okay, so you said the the <laughs> DNA under Man. the under the hatch. Now I want to talk about what is maybe the one thing that stands out in your mind is like, well, it's kind of hard to look past this. So what is something that like you're like, well, he, maybe he is guilty because I, I kind of in my head can't get past this piece of evidence or this thing he did. Rachel, for you, what was what's one of those? To me, if you're going to have this kind of thing, you probably have to look past the documentary and do some more research on it because the documentary to me didn't really present anything that was really damning of Stephen Avery. They did gloss over I think the main thing with that is they, they kinda glossed over that whole cat thing. They made it sound like they it did, was just like kind they of did gloss, with some friends and accidentally They did. They did gloss talk. over it. They did I appreciated that they mentioned it. Right. Because that wasn't done in the West Memphis three thing. Mm-hmm. Um but Yes, they did gloss over it. They let they let Stephen kind of say his part of the story. Right. And really what they did was kind of sick and twisted. But uh, they basically covered the cat in oil and gasoline and then threw it into a fire alive and watched it burn and laughed at it. Wasn't it Stephen who actually did that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. he went so. to jail for it and he did his time for it and he admitted guilt for it at right. the time that it happened. That's pretty Which I think messed up. It's, messed it's up. very messed up, but I think it's telling of... Yes, that's very telling of his character, but I think you also have to have had to been around this type of person to understand how somebody could do that and not be just like the sickest individual you've ever met. As opposed to the happiest guy as described originally. Well, yeah, I mean, 
So I, I've read comments like, I'm not going to watch that. I read about him. I know what he did to that cat. That guy's guilty. No. I think that you have to have. I think what you're trying to say is, if you want to call it white, white trash, trash or whatever you want to tell Billy. If you've it's, been around it's, this it's type a of people, than the serial killers who like torture yes. animals, like because they're kind of doing it on their own, and like they do an actual torture and they get yeah. a kick right. out. This is more like some hillbillies. I think this drunk, is some drunk and, hillbillies that uh, there's no excuse for it. It's well, act like I've been around somebody who shot a turtle before. Right, exactly, so. exactly, it's, exactly. It's some hillbillies who are drunk and yep. having some fun. Yep. Hey, I pulled the leg off of a cricket. I'm sorry, right. I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just we saying, like, suspect. if if you've been around these type of people, even though it is absolutely unacceptable and it is messed up, I don't necessarily see people that shoot turtles for their own amusement as necessarily being just innately evil people. Right. Um, and I do think that it was important that he admitted guilt to that and to pulling a gun on his cousin and to what was it, the charge? Yep. Um, burglary burglary yeah, of yeah, a bar yeah he, um, yeah, he so things. i i do think that it's important to note that he admitted guilt on every single one of those things did his time for it um yeah, but anyways he openly that, admitted it right as opposed even to though they rating. did gloss over it and they right. should have showed more at least showed more of the paperwork that described exactly what he did and not so, just like so, oh i kind of did this dumb thing with a cat right um but anyways that wasn't that's not a hang-up for me at at this point um, I will say that the the DNA, whatever it is, under the hood is suspicious. Yeah. Um, but DNA it, under the hood? I didn't hear this part. Well, I thought that's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, sweat. Or oh, that whatever. was under the it, hood. It's not, oh, I just heard it was on the hood. No, it, it, it's, it's actually it's the latch. on the latch. Like he would have opened it up. And Brandon apparently at some point said oh. something about he opened the hood and took the battery out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that... Because why why would you plant evidence under there? Oh, I I totally was that in the documentary. No. Okay. This yeah, is outside this, research. Okay. But but that does make you question like, well, they wouldn't think to put DNA under there. However, I am somewhat satisfied with the answer that the person you'll have to say exactly who this is, but whoever was investigating it said that they did not change gloves and that his DNA could have transferred from the gloves that they were wearing onto the latch when they opened up the hood. So they may have contaminated that themselves. Right. And, and, and that person got did lucky. that. And that, well, basically this, the, the forensic person who was handling his DNA, um, never changed. They're supposed to change gloves every time oh, they go okay. to something else. He apparently was handling some of his DNA in while he was in the RAV four, then went and opened the latch, the latch. And he's saying that oh. that could have transferred from it the could've. glove onto the latch and he and so i'm he, i am fairly satisfied with that answer given the fact that i think all of the evidence was planted and i don't know why well then the other theory is if they're going to plant evidence they could plant it there too because what kratz said is it was sweat but there apparently there's nothing the to actually prove it was sweat it yeah, exactly. It, it was just any, any kind of DNA. It could have been Kratz spit. Keeps it could have been sweat, anything. But saying it could be any right. Kind of DNA. Well, and was there any other kind of DNA that was found inside the car, like hair? And I don't no. recall them saying no. that. just the blood. Just the blood, right? right? Yeah, just the blood. So to me, that that's the most damning thing that was not mentioned in the documentary. But to me, that seems like a logical reason why it would be there, and I still have reasonable doubt that he did it. So I would still say that he's not guilty based on that. Okay, Jacob, for you, what what was something that it could be in his character or some piece of evidence or anything that you're like, well, I kind of can't get past that. He might be guilty. Yeah, I also wrote down the burning of the cat. I had also heard about the more in detail 
of the uh, throwing gasoline on it and put it in the fire, which is insane. Um, This might be a minor thing, but it's still whatever. You know, when jerking off on the car in front of his cousin, when people are driving by, and then also holding his cousin at gunpoint. Yeah. Was Uh, was the jerking jerking off part of it, was that ever... That's what he said. She thing? said the cousin says it's sure, true, and sure. he said that the whole reason that he pulled the gun on her was because she was she saying said lies that. about. I don't him really believe it. the masturbation part, but he sure. definitely. I mean, he admits he pulled the gun, so clearly yeah, he did that. Whether it was there was a bullet in the chamber or it wasn't even loaded or not is irrelevant. You know, she didn't know that, and right. it's just kind of a messed up thing. Yeah, to, to do. pull to pull to yeah. run somebody off. It the is, yeah, and, and that's just him saying there wasn't one. How do we know there were? Really right, there could have been a bullet. He was trying to get out of trouble. Absolutely. To me, it's the main main points which what we were just arguing which was technically he was the last witness yep all the evidence on the property yep and basically we're all we're all the suckers because we bought into the documentary i actually am going to agree with jacob on this because even though i think the evidence was planted and i do think we'll get to the end what like kind of our percentages but i think you're right because it's still whether it's planted or not all we know is it's the evidence there. is at his place there, all the evidence, planted or not, is at Stephen Avery's, and he was the last one to see her. As Those far as were, we know, as far as we know, timelines as as don't exactly know, line up. On the timelines we haven't covered that, and we can't cover everything. We're not going to do a ten-part series here, uh, but that's my main thing too. That's the main thing. I, just because you know, like well, the, the, because it's that obvious, right? I mean, it's right there. Which sometimes it's too obvious, right? But it is there. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. And and the lack of a real other suspect, which is the last thing I want us to talk about. Um, but the fact that there's no, you know, and I, I think that that's the fault of the police and, and then doing a shoddy job. But we're never given a true other suspect. So the only thing I can see is there is evidence on his lot, on his, you know, property and all those things. And here's the last one to see here. So it's hard to look past that uh, for me. Um, so the last thing I do want to talk about, because how long are we into this, Rachel? Just an hour. Okay. Um, we might talk a, We might talk a couple things, but one thing I do definitely want to talk about, other suspects, people that you thought were like seen maybe a little shady. There's, there's all kinds of theories running around the internet, and um, I'll – do you want me to touch on those first? you want me to touch on those – um, after well, you, I mean, I haven't read anything. I'll, I'll, I was going to say, let, let Jacob let cover that. Yeah. I haven't read too much okay. on the internet. Okay. Um, honestly, I thought whether it was Hallbach's brother or her boyfriend, in fact, I That's believe funny. it's Dassey's wife. I'm sorry, it's Dassey's mother that when he was convicted, she goes in the car and flips out. Uh-huh. I'm going to do what you think I'm going to do is just flip out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she yells back to the other cameras and it's really hard to understand. So I had to rewind and put it on subtitles. Yeah. And she was like, I think the hall box rigged this whole thing. I'm not saying I did, but there were times where the brother was so apparent and so convinced. It was almost like he was trying to convince me. And um, the deleting of the messages on the phone yes. is, I, I think, think very big. huge. Yes. I thought that was a, a very interesting point as far as, you know, could it be whether him or was a, a roommate? Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of – because they say – what do they say throughout the, the – and we all know this probably too is that we, if you get killed, usually it's someone related or right. someone yes. you know. Someone right. you're close to, someone you love. And Which, that's what – I'm glad that you, you said them. Because one, it's funny because you haven't done much research into it, but that it's a popular theory 
is those two, one of the two, or both of them working together. And for a few of the or, reasons, or the roommate we barely saw, actually, right, I didn't or the see at all. We never right. saw. But you're right. It's like every single murder case. They always look at people close to them because they're the most likely suspects. And they never did it. And she was getting all these harassing calls. They never looked into it. And the fact that the brother yeah. got into her voicemail and deleted things on the day where she was, the day after she was murdered. They got into it was their, the day and, after or three days after? I believe that they got into the voicemail. I feel like it was the day after, but I could First be wrong off, about that. Where was her cell phone? How did they have her cell phone or not her? She, they no, I the think they phone. called in. He had her password, which oh, was right. another thing okay, that was sort of fishy. And then the ex-boyfriend guessed her username or whatever right. and her sure. login for the for the phone records. So the the fact that and, – and a lot of people think that the brother just seemed kind of off or seemed – That was my impression of the brother. Strange. There is something weird about her brother. And I don't – that may just be how he is. Some people are just a little bit sure. weird like that. And since I haven't seen him in any other – Situation. I don't know if he's always been like that, but he made me uneasy. Well, I, I thought there was something weird going I, I, on with I him. I felt the exact same way um, up until I think there was an appeal happening, and I find myself some emotion in him. Oh yeah, when so he, that helped a little bit. He is pretty robotic. Prior yeah. prior to that, I didn't see any emotion, which is why I kind of felt you know particular about that. Right. Uh, the only other thing would have been um, Avery's families that lived around him. Mm-hmm. They didn't really cover much of them. Uh, throughout the documentary, but his you know brother-in-law, yes, who was pretty adamant about his hatred toward Avery, and they never yes. really brushed on why that was. Yes. Right. You know, those are those really the only other thing that I think that I can think of that stood out. You know, plus they all have apparently they all have criminal records and that <laughs> sort of thing as well. Yeah, and and so. for him, he's got some sexual assault charges against him. The the future brother-in-law it was the, the boyfriend with at the, the time. mustache and the yes the 20, 2080 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it was interesting because him and brendan's brother who is his basically his stepson um they had like alibis for each other they like were they were, they were each, each other. other's alibis they were each other's alibi and their and stories didn't line up with anybody else's and it completely differed from the bus driver's timeline who said it happened at like 3 30 it would be the most accurate one yes and they were saying it was like an hour earlier. Yep. And and the brother, uh, Bobby Dassey, even said, well, ask you know him. He'll tell you exactly what time it was. Like, it was fishy. It was weird. And like you said, you know, the stepdad guy, he seemed to really have it out for Stephen Avery for some reason. And it seemed a little fishy. And there's some a couple other things about them. I've done all my research. Um, he was <laughs> selling a twenty two that day. He told – People that he was trying to sell, which was apparently the kind of gun that killed. I never heard what Teresa. kind of bullet that was. It was yeah. just a twenty-two. Apparently, it was a twenty-two, oh. and he was trying to sell a twenty-two. That, comes that out day. wrong, but I mean, I figured it'd be a, a, a nine millimeter or something like right. that. I so it was just a twenty-two. Yeah, and then apparently there were scratches found on on Bobby Dassey's back and neck a couple days later, and he said it was from a puppy. A puppy was playing on him, and he had scratches on him. Like, who? Like how do you get scratches on Fingernail him? scratches and puppy scratches look completely different from one another. Yeah, and his testimony about the joke that he told. Unless he was it's lying. like a Rottweiler It was found out that he was lying about the time about Stephen Avery's joke about, um, you want to help me bury your body, body or whatever. Yeah. Like, Bobby tried to say it was it before the news had come out about it, and they confirmed later that no that happened after and he heard it from somebody else so that was bs right uh those are my biggest suspects actually bobby dassey and the stepdad but you're right about 
That whole deleting the voicemails with the brother really, really got I mean, the fact that he said that he was grieving over Teresa before she was comfort- – she was just missing at then that they point. Go, didn't they go and give the only camera to the one lady who's going to go over to by find the, it. Yeah. the car yes. lot? Yes. They, that was the <laughs> only person – that was the only person they gave a camera to was the person they pointed over to the that's that was that's crazy suspicious. Yeah. And the little interview that they had with the with the brother and the ex boyfriend where they were kind of completing each other's sentences and looking at each other and kind of, that oh, was you a mean weird, with, with strange the police interview. officers that they got interviewed together not separately so yes. they could maybe fish out yep. with their consistencies in the story. Yes. Yep. Yep. That was strange as well. Rachel, who are your we, I, I I feel like um Barb's boyfriend now husband and uh, Bobby Dassey are the two most likely I why I think there's a lot of suspicious things going on with the brother and the ex-boyfriend they could have they they could have deleted messages because they were in some sort of argument and they thought oh crap this makes me look guilty when really it it didn't mean anything they were just like oh crap if they find these I'm going to be a suspect and I did not do this Um, so it could be something as simple as that and I did think that they were weird but they they might just be weird. If I'm put on the stand, I'm going. My bodily responses are going to be completely different. I'm going to be nervous whether I did anything or not. It's right. just a very stressful situation to be in. Uh, to be in front of the media, I would probably act different than I normally would because you just you just would. Um, so why I think they're like Garth when he's in front of the camera and they think his head's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time. Not. <laughs> Dude, do you ever see scanners? <laughs> so why I think they were acting weird, it's hard to get a read on them. However, the Dassey family had all of the opportunity their backgrounds are very suspicious. There were several girls that came on the lot that filed complaints against him because they were cre- he was creeping them out. He was saying inappropriate things to them while they were on the lot, so the car lot. Bobby Dassey, or is this the this, this father? This is the, the stepfather, fa- yeah, right? Stepdad. The twenty eighty um, mustache guy, yeah. right? Okay, gotcha. So they, his name Tommy. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, Continue. you know everything else. I know. Um, given his history of sexual assault. And uh, that there was actually legal documentation that girls were creeped out by him. And uh, what else was on his record? Do you remember, Brandon? He uh, had a lot of really suspicious things. He, he, he did. He has he has um, a lot of suspicious things. And I believe did hadn't Teresa said something about? Or am I just making that up? Teresa, what do you mean about him? No, you or may about, you may be confused. Actually, to be honest, uh, it's more damning to Stephen. It's Teresa seemed a little creeped out by Steven. Uh, Steven seemed to kind of have, and that's one thing, again, we didn't touch on this, but that was oh, another I don't recall thing that, that. That, that hooked on me um, that wasn't in the documentary. Oh, uh, okay. Um, she, she, now she was fine going out to his house because some people thought that she was fine going out to his house. Um, she didn't feel threatened or anything like that. She just, uh, he answered the door once in, a, in his towel. And it kind of weirded her out that he answered the door in his town. But again, well, she probably knew his history talking, a little bit too, even though he right. didn't right. do the rape. But it doesn't right. matter because right. once your reputation is tarnished, that yes. it makes somebody uncomfortable. And yes. again, we're talking about semi-white trash people here. They just don't think the same way that a, that right. a, a middle class person would. Right. So that may not have been a big deal to him. He may have just answered the door and been like, oh, hold on. I need to go get dressed or something. But that would make me as a female feel uneasy because he's not. I mean, he's kind of a big guy and 
you know, he has some sort of reputation and whether or not he did the first crime, he did, he was admittedly did the other ones and you're kind of out in this rural. I mean, I understand why you'd be uncomfortable with that, but again, that doesn't mean that he necessarily was threatening in any kind of way. Scott, Scott is the dad, stepdad's name. That's right. I think they're really freaking fishy. Yeah, I, those are my what biggest. About, but not the mom at all. Not the mom at all. No, right? I no. don't think Barb had anything to okay. do with that. I think she was gone when everything went down. I think she was at work or whatever, like Brendan right. said. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we could. There's so many things we could talk about, but we're you know we were kind of running long here. Um, so I guess the last things I want to talk about. I just want to go around percentages. Tell me what you think percentage wise. You think. Stephen Avery, like where you landed after watching the documentary and doing your own research, whatever it may be, like just your gut feeling. Did he do it? Did he do it? Not did this, not should he have been charged? Right. I think we all agree he shouldn't have been charged, right? Reasonable just based doubt, on the, definitely. Reasonable about, doubt and based on how fishy the, the trial was. Right. So I want to know just percentage-wise – how much do you think you did it or innocent? And then also Brendan Dassey. Rachel, what's your percentages? I think that I'm about 85% innocent on Steven. Okay. And Brendan? Uh, 100%. I don't think there's any way that he did it or had anything to do with it. Okay. Jacob? I'm 100% on Brendan. And when it comes to Avery, I don't want to cop out and say 50%. Because that's really where I'm at. Like I said, I'm on the fence. That's not a cop out if you're because no, Because legit. of the obvious. Right. And I'm the sucker, but I think you know, I'll stay right in the middle. All right. Well, and that's funny because I land right in the middle of you two. I'm sixty-five, thirty-five on on Stephen. I'm 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 just right there in the middle between both you guys. I'm I'm I think he's innocent, but I would not be surprised if he did it because. I am a hundred percent sure that he did not have a fair trial. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm a fair trial. I'm a hundred percent that the police are shady and probably planted some evidence and did some terrible things. Um, but like, his and lawyer, then Brendan, I don't want to say Brendan. I'm like ninety nine percent. I just don't want to say hundred because you know I just want right. to do that little yeah. wiggle room. But I'll <laughs> but, say ninety nine. But like, uh, I've lost my train of thought. Never mind. Well, like his lawyer, <laughs> I got it. I got it. I'm back. Uh, like his lawyer said. He doesn't believe that the cops were planning evidence for somebody they thought was innocent. So that has to, even the fact that Stephen's lawyers are saying, hey, they they weren't doing it maliciously. They were trying to get a conviction on somebody they really think is guilty. Right. Puts a little bit of doubt in your mind right there. And I want to say on on top of that, I don't, some people think that the police killed her just to, I, I don't, I don't want to go that far. I don't think the police killed her. I think that they, if, if. I think it's I, possible. I, I think it's I, possible. It's certainly crossed my mind. Oh, yeah, I, would not, I want to put it past them. I would not be shocked. What I yes, think is I more likely is that they found her. Probably I, in the back of the RAV4, yes. which would explain why um, Colburn was calling in. I wouldn't be surprised really if they burned. Yeah, I would is. not be surprised if they burned her because that would eliminate any possibility of people saying, well, why didn't you find Stephen Avery's semen in her or something right. like that? Yeah. Um, I just have a hard time even saying it. It's just insane to think of yeah. a police officer could do that I just know. to cover the shoot. We didn't even talk about the $36 million that they were oh, going yeah. to debt to. Well, yeah. And that was the whole, the, the, mo- they the, had motive. A the motive. Huge they motive. have, a, and that was the other thing that, that 
I couldn't get past either. There's really no motive for Steven. He had all the motive in the world not to do it. Yeah. He was about to get a huge pay. He was like a month or two away from a huge, huge payday. Payoff. After spending so not, that's the part years where that's where the 50-50 doesn't work for me because it's like I talked about his his tone of voice on the phone. Yeah. What you just said huge payday. I mean, he, he can't be that dumb. Yeah. You know, nobody and, can be that dumb. If you if you if you're just like just be cool for a month and you're getting thirty six million dollars. Right. How are you going to kill somebody? The, the motive and leave all the evidence at your place. I, it's it, it's insane to say that about the the police department and the whole you know framing thing. But hey, but they that that I tell you what, sometimes too many signs lead to one thing. Well, and here's the thing: if you're corrupt <laughs> enough and you're so scared for one your own job, your own reputation. And the fact that the county is going to have to pay that money because the insurance company Wouldn't backed out cover, like, no, right. we can't insure this. This is on you. So the county would have basically had to pay you the, the huge payday. All these cops were being – you know, they had to get their dispositions. So they were about to get in a lot of trouble. Yep. So they had a lot of motive. I mean you put that kind of pressure on these people. The something's going to lead you to kill. I'm not saying – and if they knew that Stephen Avery was the last person to see her, I mean put one and two together. He's an easy, he's an easy patsy. Uh, to yeah. put it on, absolutely. So if you're saying that they are shady enough to plat, plant evidence and do all these other things. I, I, I definitely don't murdered. think it's out of the realm. Of, I'm actually yeah. 50-50 you know, on whether they killed did her they or not. Did they serve in the military? Did they – have they shot in the line of fire? Right, they got yeah. some of that out of the system? I mean like that's what's so entertaining. I won't say great about this documentary, but entertaining is that like there's so many shady characters. Yes. Whether they're the cops, the in-laws, the not in-laws, yeah, the yeah, cousins, yeah. the the you know uh, Harbaugh's brother and family, yeah. or when you just go to the lawyer side yes. of it, the justice system, like there's so much corruption yes. or speculation throughout this entire thing. You just want to go move to a hill with flowers on it, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's why and I think live like, with rainbows. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but like Dean Strang has like fangirls now. <laughs> like ridiculous. people, like girls are saying they're like in love with him. But I think it's because he was like the one. Be- him and and the other lawyer. Uh, I think they were kind of like the the two like beacons of light. Like they were like moral compass, intelligent, trying to do the right thing, fighting for you know the defenseless. They had their stuff together. It was like all this, like you said, corruption and 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 these horrible, you oh, know, people oh. in this. And they kind of stood out as the two like rays of hope in it all. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing that I really love that they did, especially after Ken Kratz did all of that bull about giving the story before it was told, when they were asked about Brendan Dassey, they said, "We're not going to comment on that because we want him to have a fair trial, unlike what Stephen Avery got." Oh, like, and, and boom! And I love that he said to the reporter, you know, on this day of judgment, I would task you with the same, yeah. not to do that, you know, right. give him that respect. Shame on you, you know, for yeah. planning that. I thought do. it was awesome that he did that yeah. because that was a semi-unprofessional thing to to do, right. which he had been completely professional through everything. Yeah. So it, to me, it felt like this is really him talking, and he's really just pissed off about the way everything was handled. So to I anyone who's that. listening and speaking of Dean Strang and I, I texted uh, Brandon and Rachel this a couple of days ago. Uh, I just happened to be introduced to reasonable doubt. It is Adam Carolla's like third podcast. He does with a very famed lawyer named Mark Garrigus. Mm. Um, it's episode 25. Uh, they just started doing this, uh, you know, in the last year, this, this podcast, 
But they talk for about 45 minutes on making a murder. And this is an actual lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, giving his take on it. And it's actually really interesting. Uh, since they know Dr. Drew, there's a part like in the first, you know, 10 minutes where Dr. Drew's there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's kind of interesting to get both of Dr. Drew's take psychologically because mm-hmm. he thinks that Steve Avery is guilty. And then it's interesting to take Mark Garrick, who's a defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. take because he thinks he was framed and is innocent interesting it's a very very That's good episode if you don't like the show it's at least a very good episode if you watch making a murderer and i still emphasize i know you don't listen to a lot of podcasts but if y'all y'all should at least oh check i'm gonna it out. i'm 100 yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty it. cool and especially the fact that i just happened to run across this a week and a half ago and then they talk about you <laughs> yeah. know what we're talking about tonight it was it's pretty cool yeah no i'm absolutely gonna listen to that i'm like i said i'm i'm heads deep in this uh, the last <laughs> heads deep. Heads deep. <laughs> so heads deep in this. As opposed to. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> last thing I want to talk about because we are typically a movie, TV show, you know, more pop culture podcast. Uh, I did want to bring up the fact that there's a precedent for this. Um, there was a movie. Have you guys heard of the Thin Blue Line? Yeah. It's a documentary yeah. that came out in uh, 1988 by Errol Morris. And it covered uh, the conviction of Randall Adams, um, who went to prison for a murder that he didn't commit. And after that movie was released, um, he got exonerated. So kind of a cool parallel to this. You know, you know, obviously none of us were really, you know, into politics and, you know, into movies at that point. But, uh, you know, this has happened before, so it is a possibility that we could see, you know, something like that happen again. And well, did it kind of happen line, with the West Mile? West Memphis yeah, 3. Yeah, the yeah. West Memphis. That same thing happened. I mean, they, Eddie Vedder was a big yeah, part of that. Eddie Johnny Vedder Depp. was. Johnny Depp. The Dixie Chicks. All yeah. these celebrities, celebrities saw came the documentary out time and, like, him, put money down and, like, let them hire these yeah. big-time attorneys, and it all changed, so. I just realized why I brought up that one reason I brought the Dean String in that podcast, by the way. Dean String is going to be on the next episode. Nice. So they did their whole 45 minutes on it, and the next one he's actually going to interview and give That'll more really opinion on it. That's So cool. even more so, if you're obsessed with this story, Brendan Raybar, <laughs> you can listen to even more gossip and, you know, oh, conspiracy yeah. theory and, you know. I'm absolutely going to It's do interesting. That. I mean, legal stuff can be really interesting sometimes yeah. and also frustrating. Yes, very much so. Although I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of this, I do think that we should probably mention that it is a little messed up that the story is about Teresa Halbach and it's become all about Stephen Avery. I agree. Um, that's, that's an incredible and, saddest and thing is, about it. And it this is. is a media thing that obviously the three of us are buying into because this is a really juicy story. But right. when it comes down to it, a lady died yeah. and, and, and she was brutally murdered. And there's a decent chance that that person is still wandering around, possibly right. committing other crimes. And because because they want to depend it on Stephen Avery. Yeah, that person is still committing crime somewhere. That's well, a good and, point. And, and, and how much a, would it tear you up on. as the family? You've already lost her, and then now it's getting all this other. You know, and you're right. and convinced that Stephen Avery right. is the guilty party, and Brendan Dassey is the guilty party, and like you finally probably felt some sort of closure to see them go to jail for life, and here it is ten years later, and now everyone in the world is like, 
you know, championing them. In, yeah, championing them and proclaiming their innocence. Like, these are the people that killed my daughter. And how it, dare yeah. you? And then you have jerks like me saying, hey, maybe the brother has something to do with it. I mean, but, I feel yeah, bad. It's not, right. just, I mean, it's not it's, just you, it's, it's, a, lot it's a lot of people. Which, which stinks for them. Yeah. Because they're probably just trying to move on with their lives. Yeah. Right. Cause, well, because well, we're viewing this, unfortunately, and admittedly, we're viewing this as entertainment that we got kind of personally involved in. So we felt an emotional connection. But it is nothing, nothing compared to what the Hallbox went through and are now are having to go through again, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so it would be awful if you put yourself in their shoes where you lost a sibling or a daughter yeah. and, and the entire story is no longer a about your daughter who yeah. is the actual victim in this case 100% the victim yeah. in this case and it's all about the man that you are convinced is guilty of the crime and, and thinking and I have a sister if my sister was was murdered and then all of a sudden people see this documentary where I'm like and then all of a sudden people are blaming me right. because I'm acting a little weird talking you're not about, being emotional enough right exactly being like, right. I would be like how dare this yeah like it's like Pain on point. top of pain. It, it's a shame that it that it's happening that yeah. way, and and obviously we are guilty of it as well. But I felt but, like we but, definitely but, but, need but on to the mention side that. Of that. I will say I think maybe a part of there's nothing we can do to bring back Teresa, but I think maybe a part of us all feel like well that could be us. We could be innocent and put in jail. Right. The one the only thing that we could do, you know, she suffered and the family suffered. Well, now these people who may be innocent are also right. suffering. So like the only good. That people could do would be to get other innocent people out, and maybe that will lead to and hopefully getting the correct get the person, correct in. person in. Yes, yeah. so that is Pulp Fiction on making a murderer. Uh, would love you know if you'd love to leave us comments either on the SoundCloud page, SoundCloud page um, with your thoughts, or on our Facebook page. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to Pulp Fiction.